Good afternoon. You're listening to KGPR, Great Falls at 89.9 FM. I am Matt Donnelly, and here in the studio with me is music director and conductor for the Great Falls Symphony, Grant Harville. Welcome back after a long summer break. Yeah, it's good to be back, Matt. We're uh, starting things up again, and it feels good. And it's that time of year again as the symphony returns to the stage. And it's going to kick off in kind of an unusual way in the concert repertoire as we go into not only the concert hall, but the arcade. Can you tell (laughs) us how this will be a unique start? Yeah. So uh, our first concert that we're doing is all video game music. And I, um, I think that is something that might surprise some people, but I think those um, those of you, those of your listeners who have played a lot of games over the years, um, probably have about twenty of their favorite game scores in mind already. It's mm. uh, when you when you play games, you you sort of register these things as wow. I wonder if this would work as a concert piece or something that I could just sit down and listen to and things like that. So, I know for me, um, this is actually a concert I've wanted to do for a long time, mm. and. Uh, um, and it's it comes from the same origin. You know, I'm of that sort of first generation uh, for whom game mm-hmm. consoles were just a thing that were around. You Definitely. Know, it's, <laughs> um, it's not a, yeah, it's not a sort of unusual or strange uh, kind of medium to me. So um, uh, it's been uh, off and on a part of my life, basically my whole life. And so... Um, you know, the hard part about it, the hard part about putting on a concert like this is actually finding the orchestral arrangements to do. Mm. Um, that was actually the big challenge, the kind of thing that took the the time to actually make the concert happen. So, uh, but fortunately, we were able to uh, get that worked out with um, some of my favorite game scores of all time. So, mm. um, yeah, looking forward to it a lot. So there won't be any symphonic Pac-Man or any Super Mario Brothers or right. even yeah. stuff that we grew up with when we grew up on like an Atari or even old school Nintendo. Yeah, right. So um, so the games that we're doing, we're doing one game um, that I think pretty much everyone will know, and that's Tetris. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the Game Boy. <laughs> yeah, the, the Game Boy uh, Tetris. Tetris, um, they just came out with a movie about the origins of Tetris, actually. So mm-hmm. um, some listeners may have seen that, but... Probably the most sort of famous iconic uh, sort of edition of that game was for the the Game Boy, which came out in uh, 1989. But the rest of them are all um, sort of indie games, and they're games that have very famous scores. Um, and certainly, uh, again, game fans are going to know what these games are. But uh, yeah, it, it's it's not sort of the Mario Zelda stuff, even though mm-hmm. I like that stuff a lot. But mm-hmm. um, it's really interesting. It's a really wide variety of music, which is really nice. And uh, yeah, it should be a, a uh, a lot of fun. And I know that the Great Falls Symphony has performed numerous times with show tunes, Broadway to Hollywood, or even uh, not very often, I don't think, TV themes or anything like that, but video game music, especially um, orchestral video game music. Can you tell us about that? Because yeah. I know there's been a lot of that, like with uh, Medal of Honor and um, some of the right. other games. Well, so a really sort of basic... 10 second history, it'll take longer than 10 seconds of Mm -hmm. game music sort of goes like this. Um, You know, video game music has always been tied to the the technological capabilities of whatever machine it was on. And that is essentially um, what computers were able to do. You know, Mm. any, whether you're playing on your computer, your PC, or whether you're playing on a console, they're all computers at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. And so if you go back to um, 
late 70s and the 80s, back when this was really sort of taking off both in arcades and in home consoles. Again, like mm-hmm. you mentioned, uh, Atari 2600 and like the, uh, the Nintendo Entertainment System, the mm-hmm. thing that uh, really sort of uh, blew the door wide open. And uh, not forgetting the Sega Genesis. Right, right, right. <laughs> Sega Genesis came a little later. But uh, yeah, um, you know, what? the way these things worked was that they... Um, you know, they had sort of laughably small memories by our standards today. You know, they would measure memory in kilobytes, and now we mm-hmm. measure it in gigabytes, and that's literally mm-hmm. a million times more, right? So um, so how would you actually get a song to happen on such a small sort of underpowered machine? And the way they had to do it was philosophically essentially exactly the same as a player piano. Mm. So if you've seen a player piano go, you know, it has that kind of roll that sits yeah. in the machine and mm-hmm. it has, it's like a punch card. It has those mm-hmm. little holes that are taken out of it and each hole is a different piano key, right? And uh, video game music uh, of the 80s um, worked the exact same way. Oh. It, you essentially had to play it one note at a time. There was a mini synthesizer in there. Um, wow. Obviously, it wasn't a paper with a hole punched out, but, it's, you know, it's ones and zeros. But it's essentially the same thing. You can imagine a little sort of guy in there playing along and <laughs> reads one note at a time, basically. Um, reads it very fast, uh, mm-hmm. but it's still just sort of one note at a time. And, and that's because, again, there's no memory to these machines. They're, the memory is so small that you can't store a lot all at once. So um, the consequences of that are that, one, um, the sounds themselves have to be very simple. Yeah. Um, you know, if you think about a violin sound, it's incredibly rich. It has lots of overtones. Mm-hmm. Um, it has a real sort of arc, a shape, a sound envelope, they call it, which is sort of how the note kind of swells and decays. Mm. Um, and uh, there wasn't space enough into the machine to handle a complex sound like that. So mm-hmm. if you think about that old school video game sound, you're, you're probably imagining a bunch of beeping noises. Yep. And that's, <laughs> that's what they were. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's sine waves and pulse waves and triangle waves, these very simple sounds that were easy to get into a machine with a very small amount of uh, data storage uh, space. Um, so you had to you had that kind of sound uh, world that you were living in it. The other kind of implication of this is that um, in order to make music back then, mm-hmm. you had to be this sort of mad scientist genius type as a uh, computer scientist programmer mm. um, to take these really limited uh, materials and turn it into something that actually sounded like something people would actually want to listen to for, uh, you know, extended periods of time. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, You had to just be sort of freakishly brilliant (laughs) at electronics and computers and Mm -hmm. coding. Um, And so it was a really specialized field. Uh, back then. Very few people could do it. I mean, if you imagine who was writing film scores back in the 80s, the sort of John Williams types. Mm -hmm. Brilliant guy, but he never could have done this. That's just not the skill set, right? Um, You know, he's great at writing for orchestra, but, you know, programming a Nintendo Entertainment System that had five sound channels. Oh, yeah. (laughs) No, that's that's not the same thing. So it was a really specialized field. Um, What happens during, sort of over the course of the 90s is that um, the computers get more and more storage, right? You, um, you start to go from kilobytes to megabytes and so on. And the principle stays the same. It is functionally mm-hmm. still a player piano where you have um, little holes in the punch card that are telling which key to go to. But mm-hmm. now you can have the, the holes get bigger, so to speak. Oh. So you can have more um, complex sounds. So you can have things that maybe don't quite sound like a violin, but sort mm-hmm. of approximated enough that you know that what they're trying to do. But eventually it gets to a point where not only can you fit a more complex sound into the one hole, you can actually fit an entire song. 
You can wow. put an entire track. That's amazing how that's done. Yeah. So if you know, if you think of a player piano as each hole is corresponding to a key on a keyboard, now each hole can correspond to like a CD player where you're pressing play. Mm-hmm. And so again, the the principle behind it is exactly the same. But now you can play entire songs all at once. You can store a whole track all at once. And this may seem like a small difference in some ways, but it, it blows open sort of um, who can participate in this activity. You know, the um, so in the before times, again, you had to be a really sort of uh, gnarly little programmer person, you mm-hmm. know, in order to, who really understood the inner workings of the machine. Mm-hmm. Now, anybody who is capable of producing a digital audio file, mm-hmm. in other words, if you can like release a CD, mm-hmm. you now have the basic skill to make game music. Oh. And that starts around the year 2000. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a million other skills you need in order to actually be good at it. But mm-hmm. the basic process of making a song that will work in a game is now suddenly available to like millions of people who wouldn't have otherwise been able to do it. And the consequence of that is that... Um, Game music and film music have sort of been converging over the last 20 years. Mm-hmm. Those skill sets have overlapped a lot. And one of the, uh, to actually start talking about the music we're playing, uh, mm-hmm. one of the scores that we're playing is actually written by someone who started as a film composer. Um, and um, and the music was you know recorded in studio the way a lot of film scores are done with acoustic instruments. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think people who listen to it are going to hear immediately the kind of film music influence uh, of this. It's a very lush orchestral score. It uses, um, you know, leitmotifs, like uh, tunes that return for yep. different char- characters. Um, Some that uh, people like John Williams have used over the years yeah, in film. Yeah, absolutely. It's very heavily uh, influenced by film. And um, and the game I'm talking about, I, sh- I shouldn't bury the lead here, mm-hmm. it, it's called Ori and the Blind Forest. It's mm-hmm. a game that I first played a few years back, and uh, it's a really beautiful game. It has a lot of sort of soft lights and things like that, and you control this sort of glowing fox-like thing. Um, but uh, it has a very kind of soft aesthetic to it, and mm-hmm. the music is very soft in some ways, too. Now, sometimes you have to, like, run away from lava and things like that, and mm-hmm. the music gets more <laughs> exciting there. But I've actually prepared... Um, to listen to today uh, three tracks. The composer of this is named Gareth Coker, as, um, mm-hmm. as I say, someone who you know, went to USC, Southern California, for film school before um, uh, veering into the video game uh, world. And mm-hmm. as I say, it has a very strong um, uh, cinematic kind of quality to the music. Excellent. And here is Ori and the Blind Forest, Symphony of the Spirits by Gareth Coker. Let's listen in.
Welcome back. This is KGPR Great Falls at 89.9 FM. Public Radio for North Central Montana. I am Matt Donnelly, and here in the studio with me is music director and conductor for the Great Falls Symphony, Grant Harville. Hi, Matt. Good to be here. And this is going to be an exciting, kind of a different way to start the symphony season and and something that's very unprecedented, symphonic video game music. Yeah, it's going to be fantastic. And I I hope people really enjoyed those last few tracks. What's different about Ori in the Blind Forest, which we just heard, the Gareth Coker score, Mm -hmm. um, is that, as I said, this was essentially recorded exactly the way you'd record a film score. It's recorded Mm. with live orchestra. Um, in a studio, and then those recordings were put into the game. Um, what's nice about that is that um, we can play essentially the orchestrations as they exist, because they do exist. There were actual mm-hmm. humans reading off sheet music to produce that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, none of the rest of the music for this is true. Uh, mm-hmm. These are all arrangements that I myself had to make, um, mm-hmm. which was a lot of fun. Um, it was a lot of work, but it was a lot of fun, and especially since it's all music that I, I really like. Um, Especially the one that I noticed on the list of pieces that are going to be played, like uh, uh, Tetris, is based on Bach. Yeah, so the Tetris one is really interesting. Uh, um, the uh, There's a tune that's known as the Tetris song, and, mm-hmm. I th- and that's basically because in 1989, when the Game Boy came out, they had an edition of Tetris. And um, again, if you saw the Tetris movie, which just came out uh, a few months ago, um, you know that getting the rights for Tetris was this horribly complicated process of mm-hmm. going um, to the game itself, I mean, of going uh, into, you know, Soviet Russia at the time and mm-hmm. figuring out a way to get um, something to market who was produced by uh, someone who was not working in a market economy. And um, it was very complicated, lots of intrigue, lots of misunderstandings. Um, but that one edition of Tetris, the 1989 Game Boy version that Nintendo mm-hmm. put out is... Um, it was very famous. Um, Game Boy console itself, this handhold little one, I'm sure many people remember that thing oh, yeah. from back in the day, <laughs> um, was a huge hit as a console to this day. It's one of the best-selling consoles of all time. And and that was the kind of... Um, uh, that was the game that came with the console if you mm-hmm. bought it for most people, certainly in North America. Um, so a lot of people got that game, um, and a lot of people heard the Tetris tune that mm-hmm. Nintendo used for that game. Uh, it's a Russian folk song. Uh, it's called Korobushka. Um, and uh, uh, so it's um, it's not something that Nintendo composers themselves wrote, but they made a version of it that would work with the console. Um, but there's also, there are three tunes that they used, and one of them was actually written by one of their staff composers. But besides the the Tetris tune, the tune A, there's also tune C, and that was Bach, as you say. Ooh. It's a Bach minuet from one of his French suites. Interesting. And the, the arrangement that we're doing actually combines both tunes. It's it's mostly the Tetris tune that people know, the Korobushka one, um, but it's got a, a little sort of quote from the, the Bach minuet as well. Um, yeah, so that's that's actually the only game we're doing that's sort of from the before times, as I said. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, there was kind of this break around the year 2000 where uh, suddenly the world of game composing kind of exploded and all sorts of people who weren't able to work in that industry suddenly could. Um, but the rest of the games we're doing are all after from after 2000. Mm-hmm. But some of them have a kind of retro quality to them that are deliberately imitating the retro style. Um, one of the games we're doing is Celeste. Um, we're doing a couple pieces from Celeste. The prologue and the first steps is what it's called. Mm-hmm. And um, those uh, Celeste is um, very much built to look like an 8-bit or a 16-bit 
wow. game. Mm-hmm. Um, very much inspired by Mario. You know, a lot of game developers of the last 20 years grew up on that stuff. So there's sort of a nostalgia fix that uh, <laughs> shows up from time to time. Um, but yeah, in that, in that game, you play as a, um, a young woman named Madeline who's sort of climbing a mountain and um, um, sort of battling her inner demons, sometimes in a very literal way, uh, on her way up. And there's lots of messages of like um, uh, staying positive and... Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's one of those games where it tries to kind of build you up rather than sort of beat you down. Mm. Um, the music was written by a woman named Lena Rain, who is based in sort of Seattle, Vancouver. The The game studio that made um, uh, Celeste is headquartered in Vancouver now. Mm. And um, yeah, this was the game that kind of made her famous. And now she's written for um, like Minecraft and some other wow. like big fr- franchises mm. too. So. But this was her sort of big hit uh, to get her career started. Um, as a, the arranger, it's really uh, kind of a challenging one because it's, as I say, this is a kind of retro game and very deliberately um, electronic sounding in certain places where mm-hmm. they're messing with the EQ to make things sound sort of crunchy yeah. or less mm-hmm. crunchy and things like that. And trying to get that into the acoustic world is a little bit challenging as an arranger. Mm-hmm. But uh, it should be fun. It, it's got... It's actually got a slight sort of minimalist vibe. Ooh. So if you're a fan of composers like Steve Reich or something like that, mm-hmm. you might hear a bit of that sound in uh, in the Celeste score. Excellent. And here is Celeste, Prologue and First Steps by Lena Rain. Let's listen in. Thank you. 
Yeah, that's definitely an interesting take on a video game, especially uh, what what the symphony is about ready to, to perform. Yeah. This is, a, a, this is great. Yeah. Um, again, it should be a lot of fun, and I hope everybody who comes to the concert has a good time. I, I'd say, especially if you're not a video game fan, I, mm. I would definitely recommend coming to this because it'll open up a kind of um, your understanding of what game music can be, I think. It's really... Um, fascinating and beautiful stuff um i've been talking a fair amount about how um you know once we got to the 21st century um the sort of basic process of making game music changed a bit in terms of instead of having to kind of program it into the game itself you could now make digital audio files the way you would do for any kind of album that you were producing Mm -hmm. and i think uh the next game that we'll talk about actually sort of illustrates just how true that is um this music comes from a game called Braid, and uh, Braid, it's probably the least famous game on here, I'd say, but it's actually one of my favorites. I absolutely hmm. adore it. Yeah, I have, I've never heard of Braid. This must be a kind of a, is it kind of a fairly new game, or uh, it's I think been it's, around a while? Uh, maybe 2008 or okay. something like that. Okay, so it's been around a while. <laughs> yeah, and it's, um, it's not a very long game. Um, you play as a sort of floppy haired dude wearing a tie named Tim. Um, and it, it, um, the mechanics mess around with time a lot. So you can't actually die in the game. Mm. Um, if you get to a point where you're stuck, you just reverse time until you're uh, able to move again. Um, but one of the things for me about it was that, um, it was the first game that I registered and maybe the first game I ever played where the music was all licensed. It wasn't written for the game itself. It mm-hmm. wasn't, and not even like Tetris where they made a version of it. You know, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the Tetris tune was a Russian folk song, but they had to at least create it to put into the game. Mm-hmm. This was different. This was something where they found music that they liked. Um, the game maker is a guy named Jonathan Blow. And he found this record of music by Shira Kamen and licensed mm. it and just used it as is uh, for the game. Um, you know, you had to make it so that it looped and things like that. But... Uh, um, besides it, besides that, if you buy the Braid soundtrack or if you buy Shira Common's original um, album that the music comes from, it's exactly the same stuff. And um, so Shira Common is um, a violinist. She specializes in folk music and uh, early music. Mm. Um, and this track, it's um, one of the first ones you hear, the second one that you hear in the course of the game. It's called Downstream. It's uh, from an album of hers. Again, you can... Find it through the Braid game, or you can find it through uh, her albums. But um, it's really beautiful. It's uh, um, it's not orchestral. We did have to adapt it a little bit, but it is acoustic. It's you know it's recording of acoustic instruments, so violin mm-hmm. in particular. It's basically a fiddle tune in a lot of ways, a kind of beautiful lyric, waltzy fiddle tune, and um, yeah, it's just a gorgeous stuff. Um, like Ori in the Blind Forest, the aesthetic in Braid is sort of soft and sort of painterly. Mm. And um, this one has that kind of dreamy quality to it, which really matches the aesthetic of the game really well. And here is Downstream from Braid by Shira Common. Let's listen in.
Welcome back. This is KGPR Great Falls at 89.9 FM. I am Matt Donnelly, and here in the studio with me is music director and conductor for the Great Falls Symphony, Grant Harville. And I noticed that you've arranged most of these pieces. Yeah, um, all of them except for Ori and the Blind Forest, which, mm-hmm. as I said before, actually existed in an orchestral version originally. It was written for orchestra, performed by an orchestra, recorded by an orchestra, um, put into the game. So we didn't have to arrange that one. But all the rest of them... Um, um, were not originally for orchestra. Uh, the final one that I want to talk about today is the final one on our concert is the one that if there are video game fans listening and if there are game music fans listening are the ones that they've sort of been waiting for. And this <laughs> one's Undertale. Undertale. Um, by Toby Fox. And Undertale is, it's an awesome game. I, I adore it. it. It's a quirky, weird I mean, it's even more retro than Celeste. It like, looks almost Atari-like sometimes mm. with the graphics. Mm-hmm. Um, but Complete with the bloops and the bleeps and what have you. <laughs> well, it, it, you know, it's an interesting thing about retro games because you can imitate that sound, and in some of the tracks, he very much does. Mm-hmm. So Toby Fox is both the maker of the game and the composer. In fact, he's um, he sort of started out as a composer first, in a sense, mm-hmm. before um, make, going into the develop, game development side as well. Um, and some of the tracks in the game are very electronic sounding, but he's not limited to that in the way that they were mm. back in the 80s. And so some mm. of them are very acoustic sounding. And um, so the piano sound actually sounds like a piano, um, unlike the way it would have back in the 80s. Mm. Um, but it's it's a very short game to play through once, but um, you can, again, it's a very quirky, weird game. You end up falling underground and meeting a bunch of very bizarre monsters who and you don't have to fight them but you can and depending Mm -hmm. on how you do it 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 ends very differently in different situations interesting it's like choose your own adventure (laughs) very much so and yeah very much so and um and it's just sort of cute and weird and creepy all at the same time um and given how short it is it's sort of amazing how big the score is again you get you get the sense that Part of the reason that Toby Fox made the game was as an excuse to write as much music for it as he possibly could. Mm. So um, the game score, like if you buy the soundtrack, has something like a hundred and some tracks to it. Oh, yeah. And mm. some of them are short and some of them are longer, but um, there's just a huge amount of music in the game for the size of the game that it is. Um, much of what you do in the game is um, sort of a series of boss fights where you end mm. up meeting a monster and then you decide whether you're going to kill them or spare them or um, have weird conversations with them and things like that. Um, And each boss gets its own tune. So we're doing um, the suite that we're doing from Undertale. We're doing 12 tunes, basically. It's a Mm -hmm. 12-piece suite. And many of them are these uh, boss fights. um, um, So we're doing uh, dummy, where you fight a dummy, like an (laughs) actual, like a crash test dummy type thing oh, wow. <laughs> that's been uh, um, sort of uh, taken over, what's the word, uh, uh, when a demon enters your body, that kind of thing. Mm, um, mm-hmm. And then uh, we're doing uh, Asgore, um, which is sort of a final-ish boss that you fight near the end, sort of the king of the monsters. And um, Death by Glamour, which is this very um, um, high-energy um uh, fame-seeking robot, as I say, very bizarre game in some ways, but mm. um, 
but some of them are more, you know, you wander around this underground area between from monster to monster. And so there's music that accompanies that as well. Mm. Uh, one of them that we're doing in the suite is called um, It's Raining Somewhere Else. And in this one, you're sort of sitting at a cafe and having a conversation. Wow. And the music is, um, it's very sort of jazz club-like. It's got like vibes. Oh, and, cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, it has that kind of um, sort of Miles Davis, uh, like... Um, uh, wow. Kind of more of the cool jazz yeah, that uh, he did back in the 50s. Yeah, yeah. Milt Jackson is the famous vibes player, yep, right? Mm-hmm. That's that's the kind of feel that that one has in a lot of ways. And he was known as Bags. Bags, yeah, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Um, definitely some Bags inspiration for that one. And then, um, yeah, and then a couple of the other, again, sort of atmospheric tunes, one called Fallen Down, where if you know the game, you know exactly what that tune is. Um but yeah, I think what we're going to listen to, we're going to hear It's Raining Somewhere Else. That's the jazzy one. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to hear some um, Dummy, which is, um, if you can imagine a big band made entirely of electronic instruments, mm, that's oh, wow. basically what Dummy sounds like. Mm-hmm. Uh, absolutely doing Death by Glamour because it's just the most awesome thing in the world. <laughs> um, it's sort of this, uh, uh, someone called it sort of disco sounding, um, and it's, but it's this sort of fast rock tune, which is absolutely glorious. And, um, yeah, we'll do Reunited, which is another kind of uh, scenic one. Um, mm-hmm. Very smooth, very pretty, very a lot of bell-like sounds Ooh. to it as well. So, um, yeah, it's a really varied score. And, uh, you know, the 12 tunes we're, that we're doing are all quite different from each other. Um, I don't think we're going to – this is just for the Undertale fans. I need to point yep. this out. I don't think on this radio show we're hearing uh, Megalovania, but I assure <laughs> you we will do Megalovania in the concert um, don't want to give too much away. <laughs> yeah, well, I just I just know that there are going to be people who, if they come in to hear Undertale and they don't hear Megalovania, they're going to be very upset. So mm. I just want to assure those listeners that, yes, Megalovania is on the menu. Um, but, yeah, so we're going to hear, I think, five tunes from uh, Undertale. And before we get to the Undertale piece, uh, can you tell us any information about uh, how to get to the concert for those that uh, – uh, really want to experience this or, or even experiencing it for the first time? Yeah, so um, concert is Saturday night, October 7th, uh, 7.30 at the Mansfield Theater in Great Falls. Um, if you don't have tickets already, the best way to do it is to head to our website, gfsymphony.org. Um, you can also pop into our office at uh, 113rd Street North. And here is the suite from Undertale by Toby Fox. Let's listen in.
Yeah, a lot of Undertale fans are really going to enjoy this, I can tell. I, I hope so. And there are a lot of Undertale fans out there. Um, Undertale is a sort of anomaly because I think there are probably more fans of the score than of the game. Like, I think more people have actually heard the music Ooh. than have played the game. The game's really good. But, uh, um, you know, I actually first encountered the game through the score, Ooh. Um, well, which is hmm. sort of an unusual thing. But, yeah. Um, yeah, a lot, a lot of big Undertale fans uh, um, in the gaming community, that's for sure. And um, I've been wanting to ask you, how have you arranged these pieces, especially with the, with the challenges of computer sounds, sure. uh, trying to mix that in into the orchestral setting? Yeah, you know, some of them really are sort of obvious, like this is really going to sound good on the oboe or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, some of them less so. Um, you know, obviously I chose ones that I thought would map onto the orchestra well, but that certainly doesn't always make it easy, especially, you know, games often have sort of looping patterns in them. Mm-hmm. And in order to keep those sounding interesting, as well as not just wearing out the players entirely, you have to do a little bit of variety and mm-hmm. pass those around a little bit more than um, you would just listening to the game score itself. And, you know, one of the more interesting challenges uh, I mentioned earlier about Celeste, how mm-hmm. there's some really obvious electronic effects in there. And one of them is this passage where it's a bunch of running 16th notes where the equalizer is constantly changing, where mm. it's very lots of low um, sort of frequencies and then high frequencies, low frequencies, high frequencies. But it's the same line. It's the same repeated yada da 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 And only the timbre is changing. And so how do you get that into the orchestra? We can't, we don't have an equalizer. We can just turn up and down. So, um, uh, the way uh, the way I did it was to have essentially the brightest instruments playing together and the darkest instruments playing together wow. and having them sort of fade in and out. So sometimes the bright instruments would be obvious and sometimes the darker instruments would be obvious just mm-hmm. to kind of simulate the effect of the, the EQ doing its thing. So in other words, uh, this part would be like the trumpets and then uh, this uh, part would be the double bass and even like yeah. where's the room for the harp right here or even... Uh, where does this sound come in with the percussion? Right, right. And, um, yeah, so, for instance, muted trumpet is a bright sound that happens mm-hmm. in there, but, um, you know, clarinet is a darker sound. And so if you're hearing the muted trumpet come out and then it's the clarinet, uh, the fading between each other, you can get, you can sort of simulate the changes of those, uh, of the uh, the EQ. And once again, what is uh, this concert all about? Yeah, uh, our first, our opening concert for the orchestra this year um, is called Game Tracks. It's all music from video games. Um, I'm very excited about it. It's a great way for the Great Falls Symphony to kick off its season. Uh, as I said before, I think if if you don't know game music, uh, then mm. you should be especially interested in this concert. It's um, it's going to be um, it's so delightful and so fun, and uh, it'll really sort of open your eyes to sort of all the different possibilities uh, that um, the sort of wild, wide world of game music as it stands today. And this time you get to hear it by by full orchestra rather by than just orchestra. hearing without without hearing all the beeps and and uh, the game sounds that people are familiar with. <laughs> yeah, um, you know, I, of course, as a game fan, I have a special place in my heart for those uh, old school um, old school beeps, but. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, um, uh, certainly adding the orchestra, orchestral richness to it doesn't doesn't hurt either. Mm-hmm. And do you have any um, any additional information? 
Yeah, um, again, Saturday night, October 7th, 7.30 at the Mansfield Theater. If you're looking for tickets, uh, gfsymphony.org is the first place to start. So looking forward to seeing you all there. Should be fun. And do you have any closing thoughts? No, just uh, happy to get back into the season again. And yeah, it should be a good way to kick it off. Once again, I'm Matt Donnelly, and here in the studio with me was music director and conductor for the Great Falls Symphony, Grant Harville. Once again, welcome back. Thanks, Matt. And this is KGPR Great Falls at 89.9 FM.